You're listening to the podcast. We're back for Shark Week, returning for the fourth time, our good friend, our favorite author, the uh, author of the children's series uh, literature books, Clark the Shark, amongst many others. Warm round of applause for Mr. Bruce Hale. All right. Thank you. How are you, sir? I am doing great. How about you guys? We're doing well. Uh, doing I guess I should let Robert speak. Maybe he's doing terrible, but I'm, I'm doing I'm, well. This is the most often. No, I'm doing good. Can't complain. <laughs> good. Robert, and I love your uh, background there with the little jaws. I thought I should ju- I'd dig that out. So I, I was of the age that that was an original toy that I had. So <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but I should dig it out. Life. And I wore my Jaws shirt today. Oh, so. no, Jaws shirt. I don't it's, know if you can see mine. Week, mine's, yeah. a, mine's a jaw. Oh, yeah. I see. We're all wearing it. Nice. We all got it. I was going to wear my Jaws 3D shirt, but I'll wear that for another day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Speaking of Jaws 3D, I tweeted out something the other day. I said, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised SeaWorld doesn't use Jaws 3 in their marketing. I don't blame them for like disregarding it. And SeaWorld actually responded, well, we kind of use it sometimes, but not so much. And I was like, uh... good for you. Uh, Bruce, we are, first of all, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Uh, the last time we spoke, we were pandemic deep and I just wanted to, you know, check in and see how you and the family and everybody's doing, uh, throughout this whole, uh, ordeal. Yeah. Well, I feel very lucky. We have not had any major illness in our family. Nobody caught COVID. Um, so things have been going smoothly in terms of that. Um, you know, there have been some business challenges, like my whole speaking business in schools disappeared like that. And so I've been slowly rebuilding it through Zoom. And you know, hopefully this next school year, we'll start to see some more in-person author visits. But, you know, on the whole, I learned how to cook. Uh, I improved my guitar playing quite a bit. So there were definitely some bright spots. And you're seeing... See, you're you're a glass half full kind of guy, I would imagine. I am. There it is. You you take a bad situation and you make it better. Um, are you seeing the school visits, the in in person author visits, kind of lighting up more that things are sort of turning a page? Well, they're very cautiously and slowly starting up. I did my first in person author visit last month. Uh, a library system in North Carolina flew me out to help kick off their summer reading. The, the what's this, the summer reading? They, they have the in-library visits kind of thing where you speak, yeah, is that how that they're works? they're trying to encourage kids to physically come back to the library. And so they got a grant to bring in a series of authors and I was the last author. And so it was fabulous. Nice. I mean, I, I missed that interchange of energy you have with a live audience. I missed that so much. And it was just a blast to be able to hang out with these kids and, you know, like teach them drawing tips and writing tips and see them apply them right away. It was very exciting. That is cool. You know, as a kid, I wish we had cool people come visit us in school. I went to Catholic school. So it was like, hey, Sister Mary Margarita is coming to teach you about, you know, pronouns today at four. And we're like, yay, learning. <laughs> Be still, my beating heart. Be, be still. Um, before we get into the shark aspect of the show and Shark Week and shark jokes and, of course, talking about Clark the Shark, uh, your latest books are Switched and Peppermint Post. Uh, and actually, there, since then, there's been one more come out, a brand new Clark the Shark book, Clark the Shark and the School Sing. It slipped under the radar. And the cool thing about this is it's a 
graphic novel, easy reader. So it's all done comic style to help those early readers who are better with the visuals than they are with the words. Oh my gosh, that's just, that sounds so cool. It is. Yeah, it's a new thing that my publisher, HarperCollins, is doing. They brought out, I think, about five different books in this new format um, just over the last few months. Now, I have to ask, did Matthew Clark, Clark the Shark, what, what came first? Is there some type of secret messaging here that I, I'm not I don't aware of? You Join would us. think so. Well, and to even complicate it more, my brother's name is Matthew Clark Hale. So clearly we are all karmically connected. You're here. joking. No, I'm serious. <laughs> You're so, what? Yeah. yeah. Wow. And don't you Fine. live on Clark Street? Yeah, and I live on Clark Street. There's a whole oh, thing going on. It seems very fishy to me. No <laughs> pun intended. The boom booms. I, I met Bruce like on social media a few years back and I, I made a joke. I said, uh, Bruce Hale agreed not to sue me for using the, you know, the screen name Clark the Shark or whatever and or something like that. And you you actually replied and I was like, oh wow, the guy's accessible. Like this is awesome. And yeah. Rest is history. But that's so cool. Um, are you gonna use this format? sort of the easy reading graphic novel thing for like future releases? Is this like a temporary I, thing? Yeah, I'm hoping so. Uh, I think Harper wants to see how these first books do, but assuming they do pretty well, because graphic novels have been on the rise in recent years, um, I'm sure I'll be doing more Clark the Sharks in this format. I was speaking to a friend last week in Georgia, um, who is a, is a teacher. And uh, she uh, asked, you know, do you have any uh, good books to recommend for the kids? And uh, I said, no, uh, I don't. I'm not really the person to ask, but I would recommend, you know, Bruce Hale, Clark the Shark. And she already had them and said they were like excellent. So I said, I will mention this on the show and nice. let him know that you people of Georgia love Clark the Shark. So there, there's, there's the plug. Um but yeah, that's really cool. Congratulations on that. You're, uh, I know over the winter time you released Peppermint Post and then I believe it was early spring, it was switched. That's right. How, how did you see those perform with, you know, pandemic versus, you know, people not in school or more people reading at home? Like what, what was kind of your takeaway from that? Well, it's, it's tricky. You know, I, I saw a lot of enthusiasm for the books. I haven't seen sales figures yet, so I don't really have a way to judge. But Harper seemed to be really happy with the way Peppermint Post was performing, and it got a lot of good social media attention. And then Switch, um, usually I visit a lot of schools, and I tend to sell a lot of books when I visit schools. Of course, no school visits, but I have done plenty of Zoom author visits, and the kids really like this one. They like the idea of, what would it be like if I inhabited a dog's body? What would I be able to do? What would a dog be like if he had to be me and go to school? And so that that's basically the premise. It's like Freaky Friday meets a dog's purpose. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And because I read the synopsis about that and we've all wondered at one point, like, what would it be like if yeah. we could take on another form and switch? And I think that's always like, you know, an interesting idea to explore, especially for for kids, you know, something that's oh, yeah. always there. Did, did you find that Zoom meetings with the kids is easier or harder? harder for me yeah um, they you know i get feedback from the teachers and librarians and they say oh this was great they loved it but you'd never know because 
at the schools I was visiting, they were behind plexiglass shields with masks on. Ugh. And if they were laughing, I couldn't tell. They could have been crying. You know, they're just kind of moving their heads like this. <laughs> it's right. weird. It's really weird to get used to as a speaker. Yeah, no, no, I, I couldn't imagine. It would be kind of intimidating for me. It's like, yeah. I don't know if I'm upsetting them. Are they scared? With me, they'd probably be scared or upset. Yeah, but, that's true. But with you, it's it, they, they love it. Um, so happy Shark Week, Bruce, and happy, happy Shark Robert. Week, Robert. Yeah. Uh, Clark the Shark, we've spoken of before, but um, would you be able to get into kind of the conceptualization of Clark the Shark series? Like, how did you, yeah. how did that all play out originally? Absolutely. Well, um, unlike most of my projects, which I come up with on my own and develop and then get my agent to help sell, this time the publisher came to me. And they had this vision of doing a rhyming shark. So they came up with the name Clark the Shark and this general character of sort of overenthusiastic, um, you know, like a kid who doesn't know how to discipline himself or rein himself in. And so they came to me and said, we think you're the perfect guy to write this. Uh, and originally it was just going to be a digital I can read book. And that was it. But they liked my story and they liked the art so much. They said, oh, man, we got to make this a conventional picture book. And then that led to, I think we're at book number 11 or 12 now. I'm starting to lose count. So it just kept growing organically. And, you know, the, the kids responded to it and the publisher put some oomph behind it to promote it. And uh, so it's, it's just something that a lot of kids can relate to, I think, because especially when they're first graders, kindergartners, they have all this energy and they're not socialized. They don't know how to deal with other people. They're like little barbarians, basically. <laughs> like My office is next to a pre-K classroom, so I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Like, like real sharks, we hope the Clark the Shark series lives for 102 years and has a lot of babies. Is that how... That's probably not how you I talk like to about the kids, but that's that. what we like, right? Yeah. Um, do you find out when, okay, so it was really going to be a digital book, like an ebook, and that was it? Yeah, that was the plan. I could see that starting off as maybe an, an ebook and on like a website, but I, I feel like it's such a cool character that people responded so well. Do you think that even if you wanted to keep it that way, it would have to be, you know, a physical book just because it's such a, it's such a, he's such a cool character, it's such a good idea. I think so. And I think that's what Harper responded to. They're like, okay, this has potential. We need to do this right. And not, not that ebooks is wrong or anything, but it's just no, it's no. less, uh, it doesn't reach out as far as like a physical book would and get reviewed in, you know, various publications and that kind of thing. Yeah, it makes sense. And, and what I, I really like about your books that I think children respond to, and you can speak to that better than I, but it kind of, um, it teaches them things, obviously, but it makes it fun for them without being preachy or kind of talking down. You know, like kids are very smart. Um, they know if they're being like uh, manipulated or, or it's, you know, there's an agenda. And I, I feel like your books are very honest in that sense. Like it's, it's an adventure, like, hey, let's, let's go on this together kind of with the kids. And they, that's why it does so well. Yeah, I, I like to think that. Um, I always subscribe to that old Hollywood axiom. I think it may have been Sam Goldwyn or someone like that who said, if you want to send a message, go to Western Union. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, that's, that's for messages. A story needs to be a story that stands on its own. 
And if it has content that helps the reader realize something about themselves, that's great. But you can't just dictate to kids and preach to them because they'll just turn right off. So, right. Yeah. So the challenge it. has been with this to balance the entertainment with whatever positive message we're trying to get across, like, you know, okay, sharing is okay, or what things do you need to do to be a better friend to your friends? So these are all kind of couched in slapstick and goofy stuff and bad puns that uh, make it go down more easily. And everybody loves a bad pun. I of mean, course. for real. Uh, Not everybody. Not everybody. I have a fish joke for you. Please, please. All right. Bring it on. So, so here we go. Two fish were swimming along and they ran into a concrete wall. One turned to the other and said, damn. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a third grader joke. <laughs> no, no, I love it. I love those kind of jokes. Yeah. Um, what, what do you call two sharks who get married, Bruce? I don't know. What? Well, they're hooked for life. Oh, hurts. That one hurts. That does. Before the pandemic, um, you hinted, you, you stuck your pinky toe into an idea that you shared briefly with us, that there would be a theatrical release or some sort of motion picture production involving Clark the Shark. Is there any, anything you can shed on that? Well, actually, uh, no, it wasn't Clark the Shark. We did, um, Harper did submit that as, with, with a number of other properties to I believe it was PBS who was wanting to develop some more stuff for kids. And uh, ultimately it didn't, nothing happened there, but I did have uh, for a little while, uh, one of my series was optioned by a producer that was connected with ABC. And it looked like that was gonna be gangbusters and it was really going great that year before the pandemic. And then the pandemic hit and they didn't renew the option and the whole thing fell apart. So yeah. I'm sure that's a story that's been repeated over and over for lots of folks. More so like than that. switched is like ripe to be taken up by Universal or somebody. I think so too. And I think it's just a matter of time because it's, it's a strong concept and I wrote it in a very theatrical way. So it would play well on the screen. Yeah, that's a good point. And I feel like your creative library, uh, your, your intellectual, you know, creative property um, has so much potential and really deserves uh you know, to be, to be seen, you know, visually in, in the sense of whether it's a, a film or, or a series or whatever. So I really mm -hmm. uh, hope that happens because I, I feel like it deserves it. You know, it's very Thanks. good. Yeah. I, I look forward to it. I've had things optioned three different times. So uh, maybe the fourth time's a charm. Fourth time's a charm. Yeah. Um, or as I always say to my wife, trying to sell the script, I'm like, you know what? 86 times the charm just wait <laughs> it's them it's not me no maybe somebody's them. listening right now you never know <laughs> you never yeah. know um bruce out of all of your intellectual property all of your creations chet gecko clark the shark monster town series the whole thing do you have a favorite that that's like kind of your baby where you're you you like that this one the best boy it's it's hard you know it's like uh, asking someone which is your favorite toe you know, I'm kind of connected to all my toes. It's a good kind of point. Attached. But uh, I'll tell you my two favorites, and that's uh, Clark the Shark and Chet Gecko. Those are my kind of the, the pinnacle. I really feel like with both of those, even though they're very different from each other, I yeah. succeeded in doing what I wanted to do. And I'm still, when I read the books aloud and the storytelling, I'm still like, 
hey, that's a pretty good joke or, oh, this character really works. So that's always a good sign. It's interesting you said that too, because when I think of you, Bruce, and you know your work, those two automatic, obviously Clark Shark, but Chet Gecko pops to my head, you know? He's such a yeah. cool dude to get stuff done, you know? And you write it um, very well written too. Those are all great books. So, so that's kind of cool that you said those two. Yeah. And what was your childhood book that you remember? Oh man, well, the book that encouraged me to start reading because I was a total non-reader. I was a TV addict as a kid. You know, I'd be like glued to the TV watching, I don't know, something uplifting like Get Smart or Gilligan's Island. Oh, sure. Get Smart, <laughs> the best. I, yeah. I always say my after-school uh, program was Gilligan's Island and the Brady Bunch. That, that's what we had. There oh, you yeah. go. Yeah, it works. Yeah, but I was totally attached to that until one very sad day when our family actually lost somebody very close to us, our TV. Oof. The TV died. And back in those days, they had these massive, you know, these big cathode ray tubes, and it was really expensive to replace one. And my parents just said, sorry, we don't have the money to replace it. And this, so they started reading to us. And at first, I was really skeptical. I'm like, yeah, right, books. Uh-huh. But then <laughs> they started reading Tarzan to me. And for some reason, that adult pulp fiction just caught my imagination. And I went, oh, man. If this is what books are about, I actually like books. And that turned me into a reader. So it's it's an unusual childhood favorite because it's not really written for kids. Mm -hmm. But that was the first thing that really made a difference for me in my reading. Awesome. That's so cool. That's a great yeah. question too, Robert. You're talking about like yeah. the Edgar Rice Burroughs, like the original novels? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. And I didn't understand half the words. So I've got Tarzan in one hand and the dictionary in the other. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, but primordial. What the heck? <laughs> I, sometimes I feel like that's the one of the best ways to learn. You know, as a kid, you read something maybe maybe a little bit higher than your you know age bracket suggests. And then you look stuff up and you go, what? What? Oh, that's what that means. Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, kind of like it's a cool way to explore and like learn, you know, find new things. It is, sure it is. Bruce can right. attest to this, but I always said uh, the more you read, the better writer that you become. And then I think I learned that through high school, I have my, my job through high school was at the library. So you would just naturally pick up stuff. Um, and I think that's what made me a better writer. Um, and probably what oh, made yeah. me a worse writer now that I have not, <laughs> I don't read as much as I did when I was actually in my teenage years. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're exactly right, Robert. It's, you know, that's always the advice I give to young writers. They say, what do I do? And I say, read, 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 and write, write, write. Because you only get better by doing it over and over and over. And when you read, you understand how to tell a story. But I, I'm curious, um, how about for you two? What, were, what was like a childhood story that really registered with you, that really made a difference? For me, it was uh, Bernstein Bears. They were like a local kind of story. I don't even know if you guys have heard of them. Mm -hmm. Sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, you oh, yeah. have? Okay. Oh, they yeah. were kind of local to the area of Pennsylvania I was from. And uh, the first book I ever got was Bernstein Bears Trouble at School, which resonated with me because as an ADHD child in kindergarten, I often was trouble at school. So that was kind of like, oh, there's other kids, in this case, cubs that like get in trouble as well. And they're just trying to find their way. You know, they're not bad. They're just acting out. So like Bernstein Bears were big for me. And uh, I think Charlotte's Web was like the first big book I read, like yeah. first grade or something. How about you, Robert? I remember young, young, I remember Corduroy. 
Um, I don't remember oh, yeah. anything about the story. I just remember vividly remember the pictures and and the cover. Um, but then as I got older, obviously the I think I always called it Richard Scary, but I think it was Richard Scary is probably mm -hmm. the um, and it, that was kind of the early Where's Waldo looking for all these little clues. I guess that's not really reading, but um, but yeah, I remember, I remember the first kind of adult book I read was the Grease novel novelization. Uh, so <laughs> I think it was eight or something. So same thing. Some things were just flying over my head, and I remember right. there's certain things that I I was reading. And I was like, I don't. Know what I think I said it out loud. My parents were like, you shouldn't say that, but. I didn't know, but, uh, but yeah, but like you said that I felt like that kind of elevated me like, Oh, I'm like reading my first novelization, even though it was kind of a, kind of a thin paperback, but, um, yeah. that's kind of what kind of turned me on that there was more to the story than what I saw on, on this at the movie theater. I love that. It's really interesting when you talk about, you know, kind of the books that shaped you younger and then, then they life kind of throws you a, a curveball, and they make you read uh, Roald Dahl's James and the Giant Peach and Gremlins, where kids get eaten and stuff. And you're like, yeah. what? <laughs> what? What is this? <laughs> and then you kind of forget about it, and then it comes back. But yeah. it is kind of interesting to see that, like, oh yeah, book shape you. Um, Bruce, you ha you have a link on your website, how to find an agent, which is one of the things I, I love about you. You kind of you know, just what you said a moment ago about, you know, write every day, you know, the more you do, the better you get. You, I feel like you're very apt to, you know, helping people and um, giving advice out there. And there's a cool link on your website and listeners, the website's brucehale.com, of course. And um, somebody wrote to you, uh, you know, how do you find an agent? You, you did this cool, like kind of article about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's really an important part is once you have any level of success, it's really important to give back because there are people who, were, who are where you were a year ago or two years ago or whatever, and you can help them along. So, you know, this person was asking about uh, agents for children's books. So I just told them some of the things it's good to do. And one thing that a lot of folks don't know is if you meet an agent at a conference when you're speaking, often they will say, okay, anybody in this room, I will take an unsolicited submission from you. And so you take advantage oh, wow. of that loophole because a lot of them have what they call a closed transom. You know, it's, it's really hard to get in there. That's amazing that to, to oh, well, first of all, to think about it that way, you know, giving back um, someone that became successful to kind of help the next person along, uh, which is cool. But um, yeah, kind of how that whole process works is very yeah. interesting. It's not how it works in Hollywood. No, I've heard that. <laughs> Get off my lawn. I have a script. No, but it's, it's, uh, that's yeah. very like admirable. It's, that's such a cool thing that you do. Um, and you, you know, I you know you do that a lot on your site. Your site's very fun the other day or very fun, but the other day I was on it and I think you had some kind of graphic where your face kept changing. Oh yeah. Yeah. If you put the mouse over it, my face changes. Uh, Is that what it was? Cause then it stopped doing it. And then I thought I might've just been hallucinating a second ago. <laughs> Well, there is the peyote. When that comes on, you see right. all kinds of things on that side. But. Yeah, I thought, what did I take? You know, it was, <laughs> it was going to be a trip to the ER or maybe I just need to refresh the browser. But it was, yeah. it was very interesting. No, no, it's when you um, when you get into the website and you kind of move your mouse over the different menu drop down things, uh, my face changes depending on which one it is. Like the blog one, it's usually uh, because <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, I have to write a blog. I forgot about that. I have to do uh. something. You know. I'm flipping through are, it right now as we speak to see. <laughs> yeah. Are, are blogs like the most tedious, the things you maybe like the least out of well, things you have to do? They're low on the, uh, on the list there. You know, I much prefer 
creating, writing, drawing, making music, and then the promotional type stuff like writing blogs and doing social media posts. Um, I haven't taken to it like some people. I mean, I'm active, but I wouldn't call myself an expert by any means. You're a creative man. The expertise is in the novels there, you know? Exactly. It'll all fall in. Um, what are, speaking of music, uh, yeah. so you, you're the Latin jazz band. Um, this is, we spoke about this, I want to say. Yeah, Mezcal Martini. Ago. Mezcal yeah. Martini. You guys are back uh, in action. I, I guess I should, shouldn't say back. I'm sure you never left. But as far as performing live, that I'm sure that went away in the past year. Oh, yeah. So you're back though. You're you're doing you're doing shows again this summer. Oh my god, it was so great. Our first show after, let's see, probably about fourteen or fifteen months since like very early, twenty twenty, was uh, earlier in the month, and it was a blast. They they blocked off the street on State Street. I don't know if you've been up to Santa Barbara before, but our main drag State Street has become a walking street. And so there were people all over the street. There were like all the tables, you know, the little parklets from different uh, restaurants. And we played, I think, for about 200 people. And they were up and dancing. And oh, man, it was just like a community celebration. So beautiful to be part of it. Yeah, they're feeling the groove. You know, they're getting into it. And as a musician, too, it's tough to not perform live for that long. I mean, you could... You can play at home and stuff, and I can get some of the itch off. But for the most yeah. part, that's brutal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that it was this great interchange of energy between the audience and us. And seeing them dancing made us play harder, and that made them dance harder. And, you know, it was, it was really special. So we've had two gigs since things have opened up, and we've got about three or four more coming. That's amazing. What's the, when's the next gig? Can, can we, I share it on the air? Uh, you can share it on the air. Uh, we're doing a well. We're doing a private party before uh, the fiesta that happens here in early August. Um, but the one that people could actually attend is a fundraiser at Chase Palm Park on July 31st, and it's going to be music all afternoon. We're one of like five bands, so that'll oh, be. Oh, that's awesome! Month. That's July yeah. 31st at Chase Palm Park. Chase Palm Park. Yeah, I like right that on the waterfront. I like, oh, that's beautiful. I like that you do that too. Yeah. You live in a beautiful spot too. You always post pictures on your uh, Instagram, which is uh, Mr. Bruce Hale. Listeners, give it a shot. But it's always like, you know, beautiful day here in Santa Barbara Beach. And as I read it, I'm like, it's yeah. beautiful traffic here in Tarzana, Los Angeles. <laughs> it's always, I'm always so jealous. Is there ever I bad know. days in Santa Barbara, really? Bro, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Well, yeah, when we had the Thomas fire here, uh, and yeah. it was just, it was so smoky. I went down to LA for clean air. <laughs> right. That's, that's the that problem. That's how bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you're going to LA for clean air. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruce, before we go, I wanted to bring up, uh, there's a few movies, shark movies that are not, I know you're a movie guy, not Jaws. Oh, yeah. That's the obvious, but we want to kind of ask if you've seen them, what you think of them kind of thing. There was, I haven't really not seen a lot of them because I love swimming in the ocean. So I don't <laughs> want to feed my head with all these images of people being devoured from below. That's um, an interesting question because you're a creative man. And I wanted yeah. to ask, can you separate the fiction? Obviously you can, but 
the 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 fear of like the fiction and the the reality with with stuff like that because for me it's very difficult sometimes yeah it's like you i have a strong imagination so if i put those things into my head they're going to come out i'll be thinking ah megalodon okay yeah i'm in trouble now (laughs) can't wait to go swimming yeah so you've you've never seen um you've seen jaws of course i would hope of course yeah uh have you seen deep blue sea I have not. No, is that a you're good missing one? out, my friend. Okay, no. that's actually. If that's I want to not thing. go back in the ocean again, that's a good one to watch. <laughs> you just don't go to made up uh, research facilities in the ocean. That's all you have to do. Then you're okay, fine. I can yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Think of it as like the abyss, but <laughs> but not. Yeah. Um, have you seen? You mentioned the megalodon. Have you seen the Meg with Jason Statham? The Meg. Yeah, I saw. Part of that, I think I was traveling somewhere. I was on a plane or something. I watched a chunk of it. Uh, the shark was pretty impressive. Um, and, uh, I have to say, I always enjoyed Jason Statham. You know, like my wife has a crush on him. She thinks of him as her boyfriend. And so I always try to speak in a Jason Statham accent. like, right then. <laughs> well, see, you're a good looking guy. He, that's a, that could be a compliment. You know, she has good taste. She doesn't. See, see, my a lot. Some of my wife's celebrity crushes aren't that good looking. So I'm thinking, what does that say about me? <laughs> you know, Best it's not, not like to read too much into it. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't. But that's where the imagination goes. It's like, oh, it's not like, oh yeah, Brad Pitt. Oh man, I'd love him or Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio. You know, it's kind of like Ray Romano always has that sexy thing. I'm like, really? That's that's the bar. Like, oh, hmm. trying to make you feel better. You know, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. That's what probably. That's what I, I should tell myself. Um, I feel like Clark the shark would save you though, Bruce, if you were in troubled yes. waters. Yes, we, we would hope so, that you'd have some loyalty. Another good thing about Clark the shark, which I'm sure you hear all the time, but it also adds a positive reinforcement to the idea of sharks. As we all know, they're not man-eating, you know, terrible flesh-hungry monsters that uh, movies portray them at. And here you are with this best-selling, you know, children's books that are putting sharks directly or indirectly, however you want to take it in, you know, a positive light. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we cool. definitely uh, help kids reframe that a bit. And you notice that Clark never eats his classmates. <laughs> Clark never eats his classmates. A positive role model right there. I feel like that's the missing last page of the book. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hey, Joey Macro, yeah. your lunch. Just a <laughs> limb falling. What, what's the end jaws where the leg just falls through the frame and that's that's yeah. the last page <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> clark the shark if clark the shark were a uh well he is real but if he were living in california would he be an la guy bruce or would he be up north more do you think i think he'd probably be more up north with all those great whites around san francisco and santa cruz i, th- I think so yeah i think that's a good assessment I like um, those dirty LA sharks. That- I know. <laughs> they always in traffic. Shades, they have yeah. agents. You know, it's like it's not his scene. He's much never, more. They never call you back. That's true. <laughs> they always flay. Yeah, well, I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um. So, can you tell us, uh, kind of what's next? Like, what you're working on? Is there anything exciting that you know you're able to share of like things popping in the in the Bruce Hale world? Yeah, absolutely. I've got a couple of really fun things I'm working on right now. One of them is I'm developing a uh, TV script for a Chet Gecko TV series. Oh, nice. And 
it has not been optioned or anything, but I figured if I started with the concept and got it really strong, then my agent could start shopping it around. So I've been working on that and that's, it's congratulations. It's, oh, what's that? Congratulations. That's huge. Oh, yeah, to, thank you. To be, thank you. You know, doing that. Yeah. And it's fun to switch storytelling styles because novels and scripts are two very different animals. So it's, it keeps my brain fresh. Uh, yeah, because and with you too, with like the the clout behind you, with you know all the success with the books, I feel like it would be easier for you know when your agent or whatever, however that goes to whatever who's considering purchasing it, that that makes an easier decision. Like, well, it already has this built-in audience. You know, it's it not does. like you're you're Joe Blow that's just like I have a script here. You're like, okay, <laughs> leave it in the trash. But with you, it's like people already like they want this stuff. You know, it's like so successful. Yeah. yeah. So. So I've got that on the script side. And then I just finished uh, about six chapters of a new book. It's a fractured fairy tale. And this one is like, it's the frog prince mixed with my name is Earl. So basically, oh, this, really, this bratty prince is like just like the worst spoiled brat doing mean things, pisses off a witch. She puts a curse on him. He turns into a frog. And he'll only turn back once he has helped as many people as he's hurt. Oh, that's cool. And it sounds like it teaches a good lesson, you know? It does. It does. And it's, you know, so it's uh, on one level, it's funny. It's goofy. He's got a unicorn sidekick. Um, you know, they run around having adventures with fairy tale characters. But on another, it's about kindness. And it's about, you know, how do we become a better person? So, but I keep that like way in the background, very subtle because it's mostly about the goofy stuff. Yeah, no, but that, that's the, the balance I think works with most of your, your work. You yeah. know, you have this great message and, you know, all the stories and you have a great, and all the, the books and you have a good, you know, underlying backbone of kind of like a, a moral compass, but it's fun. It's not, that's what I meant when I said earlier, it's not like a preachy thing, but it leaves, you know, it's yeah. a good message, which I think is very important. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's good too. Because I, if I can, Make somebody laugh and then give them kind of an awe moment with the same story. I feel like I'm really firing on all cylinders. Yeah, you're making it happen. Yeah. Um, have you been back to the movies? I know you're a movie guy. Have you been back oh, to yeah. the movies? What what have you what have you seen? What have you the heard? The most recent one we went out to see was uh, boy, there was that Bob Odenkirk action film. Uh, I can't even remember the name, but that was pretty good. And then the one we just saw last weekend was Summer of Soul about the Harlem Cultural Festival. And it was happening at almost the same time as Woodstock. With these amazing acts, Sly and the Family Stone and the Staples Singers and young oh, cool. Stevie Wonder. He was like, he was still a teenager um, and just amazing musicianship. It gives it just gives me chicken skin even thinking about it. it so oh, good. yeah. I haven't seen it, but NPR was talking about that, and they said the sound design was fantastic. That unlike a lot of uh, other concert films, where it's kind of mono and tinny, that for some reason they felt like that was the best kind of concert sound that they've heard in a film. Oh, I cool. would agree. Yeah, I always forget Sly and the Family Stone were six were from the sixties. Oh I always man, associate with seventies, but they were amazing. I had never seen any images of them performing. And dang, they just took that stage over. They, they were, were messing around. Crazy. This this happened the same weekend at, at, as Woodstock did? I don't know if it's the same weekend, but it was the same summer. Oh, wow. So this, okay. this took place in Harlem, and they 
film did, this filmmaker did, and he said, oh, this should be an easy documentary to sell. And nobody bought it for years and years and years. And they finally went to Questlove and said, hey, we think you should be the guy to take all this raw footage and turn it into a documentary. And after turning it down twice, he finally said, okay. Yeah, that, that's it. Let's do it. Because there certainly isn't like a market for that. That sounds awesome. Yeah. That was cool. How about you? Are you seeing something good lately? Uh, I've seen stuff lately. <laughs> it's I don't a know if I've it's seen anything. Yeah, yep. It's a movie. I don't know if I've seen anything good. Yeah. Um, what about you, Robert? Uh, not re- technically, no. I'm waiting for our Alamo Draft House to open because uh, I refuse to see movies in a non-texting, non-talking movie theater. That being said, I did when I was in LA. I went to sneak to see The Forever Purge, which is probably on the lower end of the uh, quality pole. But I was doing locations for it, so I had to go see it in the morning. And I, I actually drove. I left the theater and went right to Pomona and Ontario to go visit the filming location. So for some, but that doesn't count as a, as a movie for me. Gotcha. gotcha. I, I'm seeing, um, I do have tickets to see old next week, the M night Shyamalan movie. We'll see how it does. I've never missed any of his films on the opening week that they came out. So I'm keeping up with tradition, but it should, it should nice. be good. I hope. Oh, good. I hope so. Yeah. He's had some great ones. Then he's had some where you just, scratch your head so yeah hopefully be think... another great one <laughs> i hope so yeah um but i know that's going to be our time bruce i know you, we've taken up a lot of your time now that the rehearsal is over maybe we can start recording and go live <laughs> okay good <laughs> i'm just kidding but um i just want to thank you so much uh for always coming on the show and i hope uh i hope you can come back again soon and and uh you know we can chat more and, and do more cool stuff absolutely well it's always a pleasure you guys do great work and you're fun and easy to talk with and Robert, you're a great addition to the crew. Uh, it's a pleasure Thank you. meeting you. We're gonna have to. Uh, I'm gonna have to add your books to our list. At uh, I work for a nonprofit that's early childhood and out of school program. So, I will put an order in for your books. Perfect. Oh, there we I go. That. Um, yeah, and please follow Bruce on Twitter at StoryGuy1, and of course on Instagram at Mr. Bruce Hale, and visit his website at on BruceHale.com. And I don't know if Bruce has Messenger pigeons yet, but I feel like we need to bring that technology back Bruce. it's so. more personable i would like to send you a letter that gets there the same day but it's handwritten <laughs> we'll work on that we'll work on that um but bruce uh you're you're great you're always uh, just such a, a pleasure to talk to and, and thank you for coming on sir oh it's my pleasure i hope you guys have a fabulous evening and i hope your next movie you see is a great one. Oh, amen thank you sir <laughs> all right take all care right. Tiene que saber que no es así, que tan solo hay momentos malos y todo pasa. Todo aquel que pensó esto nunca va a cambiar. Tiene que saber que no es así, que mató en poco. Se van cantando